Well, welcome everyone. Welcome everyone to the downside. My name is uh, Jamarco Sarezi. I'm here with my co-host Russell Daniels. Hello. And we're so excited. I'm very happy to be joined. Stand-up comedian, uh, uh, writer, podcaster Josh Gondelman. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So nice to see you both. Uh, well, good. We're good. we're going to keep it sad. And I, 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 I don't know where <laughs> we're going to start this recording, but unfortunately, uh, uh, rest in peace to the great, the legendary Norm Macdonald. Downside. You do. Well, I you are dark. I listened to all all your albums. Oh, thank uh, you. Again, I'd listened to them before, but thank you, but, you so know, much. there's a there's there's a darkness behind that that smile. Uh, some good suicide jokes. A, a wrist cutting joke was one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, so you have you have it. You have it. Uh, well, I love. I mean, I love a dark joke, and I I also think that like I think I'm a pretty optimistic guy, but I think that people. Uh, think that when you're an optimistic person, it's because you think things are good, and that's not true. Mm. About oh, me. I love like, that. You know, there's so many things that are bad. I just think they can be better, right? And like we have the capacity to improve them, and like people can be good. But like there's so much stuff that that is awful. Like if you're just the kind of person that's like, hey. Things are pretty good, right? It's like that's not an optimist. That's a, a, a person who is detached from reality. Yes, yes. There's a difference between indifference and and yes. an optimism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna bring this down real fast, real quick. Uh, I, my dad um, is uh, uh, looks like he's gonna have open heart surgery tomorrow. I just found that out too. Oh uh, so I think uh, every, every everything's fine with this, but I think tonight I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get on a train uh, to go to Maryland to go see him. I uh, wow. just found that out. It's been a crazy fucking week. Uh, I just saw him. It was my again. We're we're we're, we're gonna. This is the the harshest beginning to this episode we've ever we had. Yeah, really. Is this because I kind of thought it was about like kind of small time complaints, and you're like, okay, here's death. <laughs> so the last half an hour, life possibly life threatening surgery. No offense to your father. All my my love to your family. But this, yeah, we're really hitting the ground. With a thud, and and I respect it. I, well, so, I, for you, we had to bring the big guns. I'm like, we got to get like multiple deaths to start this one out. Uh, I just found out. Um, How did he find out? I mean, you found out like half an hour ago. How did he find out? So we've had. It's been quite a weekend. Uh, my my grandfather's long delayed funeral was Saturday. He passed away last year, but we had this oh funeral God. on on Saturday, which I, I want to talk about too. I saw my dad, the, the, the family, we, it functioned for about one hour and then it imploded. This is a family that can't stay together. There was a fight about the jewelry that was left behind. And my uncle said that the, 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 the dad w was cool with the jewelry being given away. And my dad started pocketing it and said, no, that's not what it says. Oh, in no. the it was, it was, it was a, it was a, we'll get to it, but. My, my dad was getting some kind of checkup where, you know, it sounds fucking, you know, when they're like, they're going to look into my heart and they're going to start, you know, through my leg. And you're like, oh, yeah, isn't yeah, there yeah. a, 
closer Termi- place? Right. Isn't there a closer right. place to put that it? Is such, that is such a dad way to have a checkup, right? Where he's just like, the, I know a shortcut. <laughs> like, yeah. We're not going to go the regular way. I know a shortcut to the heart. It's through the leg. <laughs> I think whenever I hear about that, I'm like, man, I think about all the people that had to die for them to figure out that they could get to the heart through, through the, the leg. Because they yeah. must have tried the shoulder and the nose and the ear, and none of those made and it. right through the chest, like in Pulp Fiction. That's where I would have gone with, uh, right through the chest. That would have been my number one. And then you go, no, it's always congested there. You got to go through the leg. Yeah. And so he got it checked out, and uh, arteries are are clogged badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's been taking his medication. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I have... I've always struggled communicating with my dad about his health because he exaggerates everything in life. So Mm -hmm. I never know when it's serious. He's not one of these dads. I know some people have dads that like, oh, yeah, I had a a open heart surgery last week. I didn't tell you. Not my dad. That's my dad. Okay, that's that's my family is my mom. my, My dad had a very strange health scare uh, dirt like right before I was all the way vaccinated. So I couldn't go and see him. But my dad his short-term memory disappeared for like a day oh my god yeah and the doctors literally were like it's amnesia um but they didn't say that really until the next morning so like my sister texted me and was like you should call mom she's at the hospital with dad and and my dad now he's fine but he thinks it's hysterical so he'll bring it up all the time he's like oh uh did you get the did you bring in the groceries from the from the car and he's like oh must have forgot classic me like he thinks it's so funny and my mom just feels the terror of when her husband's brain went blank for 24 hours was it like a stroke of some kind or no they call it global transient amnesia oh wow yeah 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 yeah. that's fascinating i that's my that's my family is my dad thinks it's so funny which it in a lot of ways it is and i've been talking about it on stage and my my mom takes it very seriously as well she should but um we we don't have that like um the gravity of just like you know, I, I think my my whole family kind of is like, oh, I didn't tell you, um, th- this person was in the hospital for for two weeks and now they're fine. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. Um, but so I I like am very curious to hear how this played out with your family because I have the full opposite experience. He he'll tell me everything, and it's it's really right now he has a girlfriend, an on again off again girlfriend mm-hmm. who's uh, a little younger than me. And um, uh, it's it's hard. She's look. She's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, she's like she's there. She picks up the phone, but wow. it's very hard to talk to my dad's kind of girlfriend mm-hmm. to be like, "Hey, is my dad alive today?" She, a week ago, she texted me, "Call me immediately," and I'm like, "He's dead." Don't ever text me that. Don't yeah. ever text me. Call me immediately. I am a yeah. Jew. I yeah. I cannot get that text and and you, and then she doesn't pick up the phone and it, no so, well like you know she missed the first call and I'm yeah, like yeah I'm, yeah I'm yeah pacing. of course I can't no, do I don't anything. blame her I just it's like that's tough right the only thing worse than we have to talk later is we have to talk now <laughs> yeah and so we briefly I was I was grateful uh, the doctor came on the phone so as my dad was talking to me mm-hmm. and my younger sister and. You know, this is the second time in my life where he like brings up the will, and it's mm-hmm. just like fuck. It's just horrible, just horrible feelings. Yeah. And the doctor came on, and you know, seemed 
old and wise and reasonable and said mm-hmm. uh, there's a 1.5% chance, I forget the term he used, whether it's dying on the table or mortality rate, but there's that thing in your- One of those seems- interesting to round up the to other. 2%. It is at 1.5. Usually you like, round up, but I feel but like I, I, the doctor, I bet you know that it makes people feel better to keep it in the 1% it, range. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even 1.6, you'd say 1.6 and not so round right, up. Two. Right. You still uh, keep, it, yeah, yeah. keep it precise. But I think it, was, it also feels more scientific, right? If he had been like 1.52, you're like, this guy really knows what he's doing. Sure, sure. If he had yeah. gone, if he, if he was, he was like, eh, two to three. Two to three percent. Like two to three. What is it? This is a man's life. But if he's like one point two four six, you're like, oh, this guy's got it figured out. Like yeah. I, like he's done this before. And you also get curious. You're like, is that your batting average? Is that everyone's batting average? Right wide. Yeah. Because. Yeah. But what's funny is like, you know, that's kind of all. That's all the information. My, I'm smart enough to know. Like mm-hmm. I could hey, tell me what you're gonna do in there. Here, yeah. And here's what I got. They're going to take, I think, a veins from the leg and put it in the heart. But, like, I, I, I you, there's nothing else to say. Like, you want to right. talk more to the doctor just to hear more things or some way for him to comfort you that, like, he'll make it 1.4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's going to have a coffee. You know what? He slept really well last night. He's yeah, feeling yeah. on his game today. He's really sharpened the scalpel. He's defogged the scope. We, he, he's on it. And I, I feel like my dad, he's a complainer. Like, he's he's a tough he's a tough customer. So I do trust that he, like, uh, gets people to do what he needs to do. Not always in a good way. It's not good at restaurants, but I do think it's good sure. at hospitals. <laughs> because when you, whenever you go to a workplace and you really think of a hospital as a workplace, you're like, yeah, people have bad days. Or some yeah. guy shouldn't be there. Some yeah. guy, yeah. He's, always, he's always dropping things. And... Yeah. Really, like a nurse gets hung over like anyone else or a doctor, yeah. right? Like, oh, yeah, um, it, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. Hopefully, oh my, uh, coming out, yeah. Dua Lipa at a stadium last <laughs> night, and we were yeah. out till one. And it's like, you're a doctor. Like, yeah. My you're doctor, allowed to do that. I think I brought this up where my, my last primary care physician, his diploma, the frame was about four times too big for his diploma. So mm-hmm. it kind of fallen into the corner. Yeah, and I was like, "That's, I need some more attention to detail." It's imprecise. from my doctor. Yeah, my he, my my doctor, my current primary. I mean, I, I haven't talked to him. I haven't really been in touch over the pandemic, so like, he might not be with us. He's the oldest man I've ever seen in my life. I think he was there when they invented medicine. Mm. Uh, he was because he like when they came up with first do no harm. He was like, I thought it was like first poke around for a while. <laughs> like you, like he had a, de- uh, a dissenting opinion, but he was like, he knew um, Hippocrates. He was like, yeah, I helped him. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, helped yeah. him clean it up. It was way longer before. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Uh, I call him hippo. Big, hey, hippo. <laughs> um, but he said to me, he was like looking at my ears, and he's like, there's a little buildup, nothing too bad. We don't really need to go in. And I go, all right, cool. And he goes, as long as you can still hear your wife complain, huh? And I was like, oh. don't hit me with, with when you're like the medicine can't be sexist. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can't hold me to hold my body to a sexist standard. Oh man, these old oh. doctors. I I saw my doctor yesterday. I was trying to get some Ambien, uh, mm-hmm. and. I told him I used to have been prescribed Ambien, but I was always – I rarely took it because if I had a beer four hours before, I'd freak out yes. and that I'd die. And, he, and he, he's, uh, 
he loves being sarcastic. So he's like, yeah, a lot of people die from that. You hear it all the time. People dying. <laughs> they have a beer. Three days later, have an ambient. They die. And he, he does it for a little. And I'm like, kind of, okay, you're, you're a funny doctor. And then he keeps yeah. going. And then I just kind of get quiet. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to need a real answer now. I'm going to need a real stone cold, no sarcasm answer before right. I move on with my day. <laughs> right. It, like, we, I, I get that I was being over the top, but like, how much can I drink before I have an ambient before it's a problem? Yeah. You can't just give me the bit. <laughs> you can't just do the bit. Yeah. It's, it's, and then I asked about pot and I'm better about asking it, but like the doctors, they always have an answer that's like, you'll be fine but they legally know they can't quite say that because if they right. say it and then i die yeah. i'll sue them right yeah um so so that's that's where i'm at i i uh i've this is definitely i've said to my dad once uh, maybe twice before like a surgery we have a tough relationship but there is definitely something very like primal uh, of, 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 of you're going to go into the scary place. I've had one surgery now, which certainly made me understand what it means to be wheeled into a room alone. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm dreading it. I'm filled with dread right now about that moment where, like, I'm trying to give comfort to a man who, even though I don't go to him for comfort, there's a, you know, he's, he was my father. Yeah. To see him uh, terrified. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's very scary because I go, fuck, if you're terrified, who's going to comfort me when I'm terrified? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, certainly I feel like I'm at that age where I have a girlfriend right now and there is that kind of mutual, like, we're going to have to be each other's yes, parents yes, sometimes yes, yes. with for each other. Yep. Um, so just filled Wait. with dread. <laughs> that is so that's so real and that's so intense I, and i'm so sorry that like you're finding out i mean i guess in a way there's like kind of a small mercy that like you just found out and then it's tomorrow and then you know how it yes. went right it's not like three weeks ago they're like okay we're prepping him we know that this is about to happen and we have like all these pre uh pre-appointments and stuff at least it's like okay this will be a horrible three days psychologically and then uh, ninety-eight point five percent of the time, it'll be totally fine and perfect. Yeah, after. yeah, yeah. Ninety-eight point five. And then I have to. I'm just figuring out. This is the first time I was supposed to go to Chicago tomorrow. Not a not a headlining weekend, but like a bunch of gigs and then a college yeah. on Saturday. So I'm just like figuring out. Like, okay, what do I cancel now? What do I mm. wait to see? Did you ever? Were there any big stand-up cancellations you had to do in your life? Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think. I remember the, the I should have canceled more. I did spots the night of my grandmother's funeral mm. and I had a bunch of shows because I was supposed to go up to Boston anyway, where I'm from. And I went to the funeral and I was just kind of like, well, there's, you know, the funeral's done by 8 p.m. Right. And I will want to get out of the house. And I was just like not in a great <laughs> headspace to be performing. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of like cancellation i do think though like basically anything this kind of thing people understand and, and like even if this particular gig doesn't come back around like you'll be fine you know sure. what I mean? oh, i'll be I fine it's it's just you know and in my head i like this is one of those things where i'm like yes cancel jamarco yes. cancel yeah, yeah. go yeah. home yep uh i know that but there is still that thing in my head where i'm like oh fuck fuck 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh I, I was my first time at Zanies. Yeah, fuck. I was really looking forward to the shows, and this was gonna be money that I could have used, and like all that stuff. And then I think like I don't know. It's one of those things like when you apply for a, a writing job or you go for an audition, right? You just like pull off the bandaid and then forget about it, right? You send in the packet and then you act like you never did it or you do the audition and then you don't think about like, what am I going to hear about this callback? Because like the, like once you're, once you've done the thing, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't help to be like, Oh, this, I bet right now I would have been getting on stage and people would have been clapping. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a whole different mode. Like in my brain, I'm already like, Okay, uh, let's say I get to the train station. I have some family there. I don't know if they're yep. free. And it's like, if the Uber's $150 to the hospital, just get in the Uber. If the yep. Uber back is $150, it's just right. like, I have to recontextualize everything right now of like, money's not an issue. Yes. Forget about yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Time's Especially not like, an issue. Okay. Forget about it. I can't, right. Like, if it's like, I can't afford the time, I can't afford the money, you just have to like write it all off now from like yeah. your, you know what I mean? And anything that you don't, like any time that you get back, like, oh, he's doing great. Like, he doesn't, he actually wants a little privacy and like, you can go home now. Okay, great. Sure. But like, that's all kind of bonus goodwill good, yeah. extra time yeah. and money but yeah like i i feel like you know some there are times in your life probably or i've had times where it's like the thing i really want to do to be there for family is like financially burdensome and then you kind of go okay do i take the uber or do i get on the like local um commuter rail and then take the uber from 30 miles closer you know that kind of stuff yeah. but like yeah. once you're like this is what i have to do and and like if if i lose 150 dollars, it'll just be a pain in my ass next month like and that's fine i think you yeah you just can't think about it yeah like you're like because then you get into the hospital room and you're like you know, I spent 150 fucking dollars to be in this room right now. <laughs> Every you know, time you have like a contentious conversation. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, you just spend the money and then, you know, maybe once there, you're there, you, you pocket some of those jewels that your, your, your yeah. dad stole from oh your dad. Oh my God. Oh and my then, you know, there you go. It's just so hard, man. It's, it's hard when you have these difficult, like, so there's this funeral on Saturday and it's, it's my dad and I, I sang at the funeral per my grandpa's request. I didn't force it. Um, but wait, which song was it that you sang again? So, so I sang. It's it's a song from you. You know musicals, right, Josh? Yeah. Uh, this is from uh, A Man of No Importance uh, by Aaron's and Flaherty. Uh, okay. Not a huge musical. It's called The Cuddles Mary Gave. It doesn't make sense for I don't me know to sing it. it. I sang it at musical theater camp back in high school, but I just sure. sang it forever. And I sang it to like my my grandma when she was like basically dead but like sang it uh, mm -hmm. and then i sang it at her funeral at the same place mm -hmm. and he asked in his funeral instructions my grandfather step-grandfather technically to sing it uh uh or if i didn't want to sing that to sing old man river and i was like i'm gonna oh, stick I with i'm gonna stick with this song i think and uh uh it was you know, it felt it's kind of embarrassing because you go up there and I'm I'm performing. I'm yes. trying to perform for the room. Yeah. It's nice because I think I think uh it, it is a pure thing where I'm like my objective is really just to make this room uh feel it feels very pure. I'm not worried yeah. about there's no there was no industry there. I checked before. <laughs> right, right, no right, industry. right, right. And uh I sang and then you know, all these old it was at it was at the retirement community and all these old people were saying, Oh, beautiful voice. And then my dad is like, You why don't you go on America's Got Talent with that? And not like a fun, like you should go on America's Got Talent. Oh, yeah. stop it. Like he was like, I don't understand. And I was like oh, I was no. like, listen, I 
I, I submitted for, for stand-up. They don't, they don't want me on America's Got Talent. He was like, yeah, because you submitted for comedy. You need to submit for singing. Oh. And I'm like, are we really ha- – is this a real argument? We're, are At we really going to have this argument? And I, I love the idea of all this retirement community, these beautiful old people, very kind souls, tuning into America's Got Talent to watch four judges give me the X singing a song they thought was so beautiful and simon just being like i mean you you, you have a fine voice but talent hey i think i mean it's nice i mean this would be nice like for like a step-grandfather's funeral but not for all of america oh yeah <laughs> if they nailed it like that that'd be so funny, be such a funny for him to just get step-grandfather <laughs> right um, did you do any talking or any like saw like any material like you just cold launched into a song and then that was it i said i i was it was just gonna be the song but i went up there and it felt so awkward uh Mm -hmm. that i said i just kind of gave the preface i gave you of like i sang this for this and for this and for this what i should have said which was i think the i tweeted it later and i was like oh i should have uh you know used it for the people uh was that i once was talking to my grandfather he left the priesthood to Mm. marry my grandmother Um, who was his secretary at the time. I'm sure in a different era it would have been a a Me Too thing. But in this case, it was beautiful and romantic. (laughs) And uh, uh, I once was talking to him. He was reading something he wrote. He wrote at NYU. And um, uh, he referred to my grandma. He just said, oh, me and Francis went to the store. I knew her as Betty. And he said, me and Francis went to the store. And I was like, who's Francis? And he said, oh, the other half of my soul. And that was the way he casually referred to my grandma. Just said, wow, like that. Yeah. That was the very sweet part of him. Yeah. But then, let me just say this. I'm so sorry. This is so me centric no, for your that's episode. All right. uh, so, my, I have a cousin who served in Afghanistan and he's in Africa now. And he was like, I guess, a big Trump supporter. And I think him and my grandfather. There was my grandfather was uh, a pure Democrat to the very end. There was a picture of him with Bill Clinton, like one of the placards at the funeral mm-hmm. was that. And uh, uh, someone read a letter from my, my cousin who was serving in Africa now or stationed in Africa now. And it was this like defense of uh, the occupation of Afghanistan. It was like, oh, my gosh, because, you read, they read it at the funeral because well, because my grandfather was very like he was. Uh, super ex, uh, anti-violence of any. He was a, he was a pacifist. He was a true true sure. blue pacifist. Sure, sure. And like was against you know bullying. He like studied bullying and cyberbullying, mm-hmm. and that was his thing. And um, this also the the funeral was on nine eleven, and it, it was one of these things where I'm like, oh, we don't have to bring up nine eleven right. at the funeral just because it's nine eleven. There's no need to link these two mm-hmm. things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it opened with this like you know. My my grandfather and I, we disagreed on a lot. He didn't understand that sometimes violence was needed. And this is being read at oh, the reception. He murdered your grandfather. <laughs> and, and, and then he went on to say, he's like, I remember walking with uh, for September 11th and we walked to ground zero. And I think in that moment, uh, grandpa, he understood that violence was needed. And I'm like, wow. are you trying to win an argument from from?" <laughs> Now that he is no longer here to respond, you fucking putting asshole. on like all sorts of things onto a dead person, being like, I think they were. That's wild. And he said the word yeah. asshole twice in a in a space like, in a letter in yeah. a letter. Yeah, and it was like it, it, it wasn't. Read it. Uh, it was his mother, uh, and and 
it, there was a weird, it was just so weird. At some point she was talking about some part of the family and she's like, you know, this part of the family, they're, they're good Republicans. And then, you know, and the good, de- and it was just like this weird, I'm like, get oh, the politics out of here. What a strange thing. Sorry. What a strange way to, cause I've spoken. Have you ever like spoken, spoken at a funeral? Uh, no, I haven't. You have. I've done. I've done a few. Uh, not to brag. Um, <laughs> Who books career. those? Fucking. Uh, well, uh, cancer. But <laughs> um, I've spoken at. Uh, I think two, maybe more, but at least two grandparents' funerals, and because my my parents are very, um, they're, they're like. I think it makes sense with what I said before. They're just much more private about stuff. Mm. And I'm the public talker in the family. Of course. And so I kind of get asked to speak. Like, from the time that I was pretty young, um, would you know, like, early 20s for sure, would get asked to speak at a funeral. And I do think that it is like, it, it's, you, I almost said before you told the story about that letter, I was almost like, you kind of can't go wrong if you just, like, speak kindly you know what i mean like it's like yeah because because the quality of the writing is not that important it's just kind of like that you express uh, a like kindness and that you're there like you were saying um jean marco that you're there for the people in the room and you just like want to make the feeling in the room like full of love and support and and like and emotional presence um and I think people get it wrong less frequently than with, like, a wedding toast where people just biff it all the time because they're like, I'm going to be so friggin' funny. But, like, nobody – or al- you almost never hear that at a funeral. <laughs> people – you know, maybe you go on a little too long, but it's like, ah, that's – what else are we going to do today? We're at the funeral. Yeah. 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 I do, – did you have any funny in yours? Like, did you have I some did funny? a little bit. I had a couple little lines. Um about like because my grand my grandmother is or was like a very she was like a very um a very wonderful like I had a wonderful relationship with her but she's also very opinionated and mm-hmm. like so she would do things like um she was very particular about gifts like if you gave her enough gifts that she was like I don't see where this would fit in my home she would just be like you don't have to do that anymore <laughs> which is like so funny. But also, she traveled the world, and she went to she'd been to all seven continents just for recreation and like personal enrichment. And she would come back with the worst souvenirs, like not like it's hard to buy a good souvenir. You know what I mean? If you're like, especially like at souvenir prices, and you're buying it for like six relatives you're not going to be like here's a beautiful diamond i found in, yeah, uh, yeah. in from a russian jeweler it'll be like oh yeah here's a hat that said that has the kremlin on it or whatever that's why you get those magnets it's just like yeah let's be, put it on the fridge that's it too like you would always get like that little stuff and it would just be like fine but it was so so i think i mentioned something about that and just like you know just a little thing that something that like the whole family i think knew and agreed on and thought was like a funny quirk um but you know you you i wouldn't have gone in if if she and i had some kind of personal disagreement that the rest of the family found uncomfortable i wouldn't have like gone in hard on that well, oh my the, god the other weird thing about funerals is uh i don't know how 
this was the experience John Mark. I can't remember, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but there's this weird thing if someone's not religious or doesn't know the person who's leading the thing. Yeah. It's almost like a uh like uh mad libs where they learn three things about yes. the person and then they just kind of fill it in and and it's so unnatural and you're like, oh, they knew two things about my grandfather yeah. and they, they really forced that into the thing. Cause they're like trying to, and they, you know, that as a family member, you know, they had no real like, relationship. I'm just meeting this guy. He didn't, you know, know that guy. Yeah. um, uh, and it's so funny. I, I remember, uh, for, I had a cousin pass and, and it was this weird thing where they try to make things work that you're like, it, it was just like sitting there being like, he's like, and you know what? She loved this time of year. The holidays were her favorite time. So it's almost appropriate. Like, no, she probably would have liked to be alive during this holiday. Like, it just was a weird, they just try to make things, I don't know. I, it's very weird. I think especially you watch it, though, like, as we're all creatives, we're all in the arts. Yeah. And, like, you know, these are these are people, a lot of these people is kind of they're producing their first show. Mm-hmm. And they're not yeah. they're not great at it because you're yeah. like, you know, there's there they go with the structure of the church and they get a little bit of a rubric. But I'm like, oh, you guys could you could have this room bawling right now. You could have us yeah. laughing. Yeah. We are we are yeah. all there more than any other public event to feel. Yeah. And if you organize a little better, got got a little more creative and also just really got more information from the family. I just feel like they're or it feels don't very have autopilot. A don't have a priest lead it. Yeah. It's a crazy job for them to do this many funerals. Right, right. Because it's like, it's going to come off a little impersonal just be, by yes. virtue of like, oh, this is the, you know, they do this for half the dead people in town, you know? And yeah. so it's just tough. Especially if it's like a family that has like an affiliation with the the church or whatever, or like, yeah. uh, but like not, doesn't go regularly or synagogue, you know? My, my grandmother atheist we talked about it like in her early 80s maybe we had lunch i took her out to lunch before i moved i mean this is 10 years ago before i moved to new york i took my grandmother out to lunch and we just like really got into it in like a really wonderful way just like really going deep on stuff that like maybe we suspected about one another or like i suspected about her but she was just like yeah i don't really like god isn't really a thing for me and like just like really talked through a lot of like she's like very progressive and 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 like really open about this kind of stuff and she got i'm trying to think of how this happened because uh jews don't usually cremate but she was like i want to be cremated Mm. but i want to be buried with family so she got had the foresight to like I don't know what, maybe in her 60s or 70s, get a note from a rabbi that our family was close with that she could be cremated and then the urn could be buried in her burial plot. So she got like a special dispensation from this rabbi. But she was also, I mean, this was, I I must have mentioned this at at the funeral, but she was cremated in a Tom Brady jersey. Like, it's very New England. Right, right. <laughs> and so, I, I, I've said, I mean, I've said it on stage, but that's like, it's like a real thing. And like, I'm sure I brought that up because it, my aunt was like, oh yeah, this will be, this is befitting. And so, those kind of details are like the kind of things that in family you can talk about. But like, if you're, you know, if you're just someone that's like, okay, what are, you're reading from like a checklist of like her five favorite things according to their kids in this on the saddest day of their life <laughs> you yeah know what i mean like oh, what did mom like oh i don't know like penela vodka like who knows yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm so sad if you ever if you ever worked on something and tom brady was there would you would you share that with him i think, think i would yeah i think i would tell my him. grandma was 
cremated in your How would you handle that? that is, I'd be so like, Whoa. that's his problem. I he was yeah, like, he was like, his problem. I think, um, I, I've heard I, that a lot of grandmas that have been cremated in a I'm time. Sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I bet it happens more than you think. Just not with yeah. Jews. I'd never heard of it with Jews before. But I, it's true. And it's like, I do think I would say it because I think of that as like a fond memory. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it would be too heavy to put on it. Like, that my, she she was, um, she lived like a wonderful life. This was a decision the family made that is like a little quirky, but it's not like one of those things. It's like, it's not like me being like, you know, um, my, uh, my cousins think you're very sexy. <laughs> Something weird, you know what I mean? It's I like, think you should put, pitch to him. You should pitch to Tom Brady that when he's cremated, he should wear a shirt with your grandmother's face on it. With my grandmother's face on it, yeah. <laughs> it's only fair. This, this presupposes that this relationship where I work with Tom Brady and then we stay in touch. <laughs> but he um, – yeah. So, But I do think like do, doing – making that kind of stuff personal is so – it's so helpful and it really you can tell right russ like you were saying like you can really tell when it's a guy being like she loved her kids and uh yeah oh yeah all four of them she had four kids she loved them and he's looked out he he, she she had four kids people are you know weddings funerals it's just very much like you can tell when there's been some time and thought put into it and when it's like oh it's plug in plug and play well, that's the thing mm-hmm. with the my my stepfather's mom's funeral so my step-grandmother uh mm-hmm. she was very catholic and this was my first like super catholic funeral mm-hmm. and this language is so i was watching this was during game of thrones and the language is so clearly like was written at a time where there were competing religions so they go they kept saying the one true god and it made, sure. it made me think of game of thrones where there's this constant verbal uh a reaffirmment of this is the god not that yeah. god one yeah. true god and i was like it felt like get this pr for your fucking church out of my grandmother's <laughs> funeral yeah right? how did how do no, and like, right, it's not time. It, it's almost like, um, if you were just like, uh, this beautiful, where this, it's beautiful, sunny day, God's smiling down upon us. Here we are at, at this, this gorgeous plot of land, this, this cemetery down the street from the one true Subaru dealership. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, we're just here, we're here to like think about this person's life and our relationship to this person and to each other and, and to our own lives. We're not here to, for, you know, I mean, maybe some people are. Maybe some people want that. Maybe some people are like, hell yeah, one true God. That's who she's kicking it with now. But yeah. that's never been how. That's never been how I felt personally. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Um, let me re- say real quick, uh, I always am doing this later and later in the shows. This is The Downside with Jamarcus <laughs> Razi. Thank you for listening. This is a show where we explore all the negatives. All silver linings are debunked, and uh, we celebrate negativity. Um, if you enjoy the show, please, please uh, consider joining the Patreon. You get early episodes, ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, two a month. It's patreon.com slash downside. 
Um, so, well, well, let's uh, talk. You so so, Josh. You you grew up in Massachusetts, Stoneham. Is that correct? Stoneham, Massachusetts, or Stoneham is like it's it's a very the regional thing is like almost all the H.A.M. cities are just like, oh, Stoneham, Dedham, Wareham. Yeah. And what are the I, I don't know Boston too well. My brother is going to B.C. right now. Oh, sure. So yep. I'm trying to get more gigs there so I can see him. Yeah. Uh, whether he There's wants some good, it or not. We can talk. We'll talk about it later. I, I can, well, let's text about it. But like, oh, sure. I am. Um, I because there are some fun rooms up there. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I I loved start. I mean, I'm really grateful for the time I spent there doing comedy, and I always love to go back. Um, you started stand up there. I started stand up there. Yeah. Now, let yeah, me ask because yeah. I know I know like uh, the Dane Cooks Dane Cook started Boston. Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. started Boston. I think so. Yeah, I guess I, think I, so. I always got the impression from hearing like old interviews of those two uh, that that Boston is like. Uh, you gotta, you gotta be uh, a uh, loud comic. They they talk about it in a way where like the the co- the rooms are tough, the rough yeah. and tumble rooms. So there are some of those in a way like the, it's it's really one thing I liked about starting stand up there is that there are all kinds of rooms, right? But when I started, there would be like the the like road, quote unquote road rooms where you would like drive out forty five minutes into the suburbs and be like doing a youth hockey fundraiser, right? Yeah, uh, and, and with just all people that knew each other because their kids played hockey together, or you would play like a club in Cambridge, like right across the street from the Harvard campus. The comedy studio was there before, you know, a little bit before I started and, and I mean, a few years before I started. And, uh, and that would be very like focused audiences, kind of showcase style club closer to like a New York comedy club. Sure. And then you would do that. Then there would be the downtown rooms. And some of those were like a little, like people would be out drinking and like y- you, they would expect the way I always describe it is like, they expect, it's like they're the crew of a pirate ship mm. and they want to have a good time being pirates and they want you to be the ca- you're the captain but if you're like uh hey i was thinking maybe we pillage that island they they can smell that and they don't like so you don't have to be super loud it doesn't like have to be aggressive or at least by the time i was starting there but you do have to show that you're like in control whatever that means you know yeah, um, yeah. And, and there were you know there were people there that were like um, like Bill Burr started there, yes. and, but also Stephen Wright, you know, earlier, but like I, you get it and Mike Kaplan. And, um, uh-huh. so, so it's like kind of stylistically all over the map, but I, but there are rooms where the audiences are like, we need you like prove it. Like we want you to be good, but we, cause there are rooms where you walk into where they're like we don't want you to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've done those shows where it's just like, oh, this is an unwinnable environment, or at least for me it was. But like it, in these rooms downtown, it was like um, some of them, they're like, yeah, we want to have a good time, but if you're not good, it's going to be like at your expense. Like we'll just start talking and having fun yeah, <laughs> while I, you're talking. I think I have a skewed vision of of Boston just because it's just it's become this sketch comedy trope. Sure. This yeah, Thirty Rock. Like my my <laughs> opinion of Boston is half informed by Thirty Rock. And then sure. half by like SNL sketches in that one commercial where they said "pock the cod" ten yeah. times in a row. John Krasinski. Yeah. yeah, it's um, but it is like it is a really interesting like 
environment for comedy because you can go it's like a small the city itself is very small and the so like you can go not very far in any direction and have like a very different experience culturally like you can go you can be downtown or used to be uh but i mean like there's the wilbur theater which is beautiful. It's like this gorgeous theater. I've only played it once. I went to open for John Oliver after the first year oh, I worked wow. for him. And it was like, oh. it's like a 1200 seat theater, somewhere between 11 and 13. And it's gorgeous. And it's like, it has the vibe of a comedy club. It's run by people that used to run a big club in the city. And, and it's just like, oh, this is the most, the best crowd, like the, the best circumstances for comedy. It's like a thousand people, super focused. Um, just like losing it and then you can go like truly across the street to nick's comedy stop where it's like 150 people and maybe a a bunch of them got in for free and are already drunk or they're waiting for the nightclub that starts after to open whatever it is and it's just like rowdier and then you go up the highway like 12 miles and then it's like these two there are two clubs that are um on opposite sides of the highway, one in a giant Chinese restaurant uh, and one in an Italian restaurant with the uh, with like a fake leaning tower of Pisa in front of it. Mm. And it's just like it's like real suburban crowds that are like they and they go out to see like their favorite Boston comedians a couple times a year. And like it, it, and they kind of expect that like fast kind of loud style um a little bit more or if you're downtown you go across the river and now you're in cambridge at the comedy studio so it's like all pretty dense but it's just like every kind i you know what that's that's not true i never really did the, i there are some exist but i was i never really crossed over there are a couple like i mean the the like slang term in the industry is like urban rooms but like predominantly black crowds um and, and comics and, and i was like never really part of that scene even though i knew the comics i just like never really did those rooms i'd, I'd love to see you do those rooms i know you i, I think i, I would like figure to them now. out you 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 yeah. do them i think i would, would i would i feel like i would be more I'm, i just feel like more comfortable and capable on stage now than i was whatever a decade ago yeah but it was also just like you know um Yeah, but I I, and I don't think that scene and maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I don't think it's like as big as the as the like urban scene is like even uptown in New York or like in in Chicago or or Philadelphia. Like it feels like, um, yeah, I I, but that was not a scene I was really a part of. But like there are so many different kinds of crowds that are geographically so close together. And you can, you know, even within a weekend, you're like, oh, yeah, I did. I, I um, did this fundraiser show or I did this um, benefit show or just a regular like back room of a restaurant gig and then like drove downtown and like did a spot on a lay show at a club, which was like it was very fun. And I feel like I you kind of I I'm not a big like you've got to pay your dues. Like I'm not that kind yeah, of guy, yeah. but I do think there is a value to like trying all sorts of different rooms when you're sure. starting out to be like, yeah. Oh, these audiences exist. And like, maybe I, this is what I have in common with them. This is what I don't. I, I do think there's a real value to that. And I, I'm not like the kind of guy that's like, you have to kill in every room that has comedy all across America because like not everybody's, uh, work translates in that way. And I think there's lots of great people uh, kind of across the spectrum that don't work as well in every room. And and I don't, I wouldn't want to be like, no, you're not like this comic isn't valid because they can't play like a coffee house in Northampton because their energy is too aggressive or this comic isn't good because they're too experimental to play at like a, you know, to headline yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a comedy, like a, uh, 
school benefit, you know, PTA benefit in like the suburbs. You I know? still think one of the funniest videos online. I don't know if you ever seen it. It's it's Nanette at the Apollo, where they mixed in. Oh no, I've not. That's Hannah so Gatsby funny. doing Nanette at the Apollo, and it's just so funny. But, that's, but I, that's I mean, the contrast. I think that's it. That's yeah. exactly the point, right? Is like there are audiences that have certain expectations and comics that have certain skills and they don't always meet. And I think like it's good to try out different kinds of rooms and be like, oh, I like this. Or like this was challenging in a way that I don't like. And, and it's okay that I that I know that and I tried it and like maybe I will not seek this out as much in the future. Yeah, I think it's more just like it's about having respect for – I think on both sides of the spectrum, mm-hmm. if you want to, if you want to make it uh, uh, urban Brooklyn, there's sometimes it's like a judging of the other, like oh well, that's totally that's yeah. there's and, not respecting it, you and know. And I do try. I mean, I, in New York, to play different kinds of rooms as much as like that opportunity is afforded to me, um, and, and I try not to like look down on people that play one kind of room more than another you know what i mean like i i felt i feel like that kind of divide was like maybe more pronounced when i was starting out about like oh do you do the comedy clubs or do you do the alt rooms and i think a lot of people do both and then some people only you know play one side more than play to one type of audience more than the other but that i think that's like what are your goals artistically who are the audiences that come to see you who are the audiences that you don't resonate with and that's all like worth thinking about and like not thinking that the the audiences in one kind of room or the comedians in one kind of room are like beneath consideration because they don't do what you do or they don't respond to what you do um, so now, growing up in the Boston area, is that would you call that the Boston area? Yeah, it's the Boston area. Yeah. What What are the downsides of, of living in Boston? Oh, I mean, it was like I grew up in a pretty homogenous town. Mm. It was like it was very white. It was, I mean, it was very I, not very Jewish either. The town sure, I, I was in. I was curious because you're yeah. are both your parents Jewish. Both of my parents are Jewish, and I had a lot of Jewish friends, but they grew up, like, a few towns over. And so I would see them a lot when I was, you know, like, a, uh, especially once I could drive, I would see them a lot. And uh, But it was just, like, I uh, I wish that I had – not wish. I, I think that I could have benefited from uh, uh, growing up in a place where I, like, met more different kinds of people demographically yeah um because i definitely like i moved to new york and moved i I, i'd gone to college at this point and like and met international students and students from all over the country um but definitely i moved straight to harlem when i moved to harlem for about eight years so yeah yeah where i i I lived at um uh, morning uh, hamilton heights rather uh, like broadway 137th and broadway Mm -hmm. and i lived there for like three years three and a half years and i i just remember being like oh this is like a different cultural experience than i'm used to from where i lived in boston because i think the city feels very segregated or did when i was living there still very segregated racially like there were neighborhoods where it was like um that were that were like more people of color but there just was less crossover culturally you know what i mean like there just yeah. weren't places where it was like oh i i have friends in this neighborhood or whatever and like that you know some of that's on me and some of that is just on like how the city is laid out in a way that is like kind of structurally unfair yeah yeah um okay so so you left boston you went to brandeis where's yes. that yeah 
It, it's just west of Boston. So it's like eight miles west of, of Boston. Yeah. And when did, did you know you were going to do comedy when you were doing writing English, Spanish? I started, yeah. So I my freshman year, I started doing improv. And after my freshman year, I started doing stand-up. And then my junior year, my uh, my roommates and I had moved off campus, but we started a sketch group too. So I was doing a lot of comedy uh, even in college. And, and especially by like junior senior year i had a car on campus and i would just like zip into the city and do my friend aaron judge had a sketch show that i contributed to that was um like one sunday a month and like i was doing stand-up on the weekends and so like i was kind of i was doing like you know the balance kind of kept leveling off between like comedy and schoolwork as i went as i got to closer to graduation are, are you are you as good a student as you seem like you'd be i was a pretty good student i was um I got good grades. I was a I'm much better like in class. Like I never cut class, but I would like like skirt or shirk some of the readings sometimes because I'm a good listener and note taker. So like I could skim the readings and still be like, "Oh yeah, this is like what they said in class." You know, this is what what the professor said in class and I get it enough to write a paper or to like take a test. Um and and because I was a good high school student, I was, like, exempt from uh, science and math requirements because of, like, AP tests. So by the time I got to college, I was just like, oh, I never have to look at a number or think about a number until uh, until I pay taxes. <laughs> yes. Um, now, because this is the downside, you, you are uh, a bald? I'm a bald, yeah. You were bald. When did you start balding? 19. Very young. 19! Oh, really young. Wow. Started thinning out. And is, I knew it was coming. My dad is a bald. Um, so I knew it was coming and he started Is it the dad? Too. I always I always feel confused. I feel like they're always like, oh, it's actually your mother's side. I, I've heard that too. My, grand, my maternal grandfather also. Like, it's balds all the way down. And so I knew it was coming. And I actually... So this is something I think about a lot because I don't... I've, I've said this on stage as well, but I think if you're going to go bald, do it young. That's how I feel about it because you, there's less question. Like, sure, you don't have like a great head of hair in your early to mid twenties, but you know the man you're going to be. Like, yeah. I would much oh, rather yeah. start in college and be like, okay, this is who who I am. This is what what I'm going to look like, rather than be like, oh, I hope I I hope this part of my identity sticks around until I'm. Yeah. Forever, I guess. And so it was like. I mean, the downside of it is like it is goofy looking <laughs> when you're young. Where now? Where does it? It starts in the middle, right? It, it, in the... it depends. No, it depends on on. So, yeah. Mine was like I went mostly from the front back, and then it started from the back forward. What? Were you at any? Was there any point in your life where you went? You looked up at the heavens and said, "Why, God? Why?" I definitely at the time was like. Yeah, fuck me. You know, like it does, it's not fun when you're 19 and you're like dating in college and you're 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 a kid uh and you're like nobody I don't know. I just don't feel like it is the kind of thing like I'm I'm 36. I'm married. I think by the time I met my wife, my hairline was pretty dog shit. I met when we were when I was 29. Uh-huh. We met when I was 29. But that's like I would rather that, you know, because she she knew what she was getting into, follically speaking. Um, but like <laughs> when you're 19, it just feels like the 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 if that's something that someone is thinking about, like it's just less a reality for other people your age. Does that make sense? So like yeah. wh- by the time you're in your late 20s, early 30s, that that's like yeah, a lot of guys are like this, and it's like yeah, you 
you can date a 23-year-old guy if you want, or you could date a guy that's maybe bald. That's true. Yeah. And, that's true. And when you're 19, it's like there are more choices for not me. <laughs> and yeah. I guess I understand what you're saying where, like, I see you I, in my mind's I, eye. You exist as a bald person, and it looks like that's your look. It that's just what I look right. like, right? It looks like yeah. correct. I, I agree. Totally. I think I think it's good, too, because I think of when I think of the people in my life that I knew that like went bald so young, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, like they're going bald. But we were all aware and they were aware and they got some, you know, like it it was like something to talk about for them. too. It was but like it's later on. It's when you get into 30s and stuff and it starts happening. It's a slower, harder process for the person, I believe. And uh, it doesn't, it, who cares? If you go bald in your third, late 30s or 40s, you're like, yeah. So it's not as a, people aren't like, oh, it's more just like, sh- you know, it's yeah, a harder process to accept, right. I think, as an individual. I, and you don't get any kudos for it. It is just so. part of the aging process that I took care of early on. And I think that is fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but at the time, for sure, it was something I was like a little more self-conscious about. Like, I don't think it like never stopped me from like having a good life and having friends and dating and stuff but it definitely was like the kind of thing where i was like um oh yeah this is like i wish i'd hung on at the time i wished i'd hung on a little longer now i'm like who cares like this is i just i turned into me faster yeah that makes sense i think in my head i still have a you know i i'm 33 now mm-hmm. and there's still that thing whether it's stand up comedy or acting and they're like oh you're young and yeah. I, every time I hear that, all I can think is like, when is that going to stop? Well, it's when are I they going to go? When are they going to go? Oh, well, you're right. You're where oh, you're, you're, an old, you're OK. And, you're OK where think, you are. I think that that's it's the transition more than anything. Right. Yes. It's not like being bald is good and having or having hair is bad or having hair is good. and Being bald is bad. It's just like turning from one thing into another is that's the hard part, especially working in entertainment where you go, oh, this is how people see me. I'm. I can do this kind of stuff. And then one pe- when people start perceiving you differently, it is it's not just like, oh, I look a little different. I'm 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 getting older. It's like, oh, what do I do professionally? What what is my new what is my new thing? Like, headshots. Who, how- you just got to think about headshots. You you're waiting for the point of someone to be like these headshots, they feel like a lie now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like this is a different. Are you're this guy's dad? <laughs> yeah, the casting director actually cast you on an episode of Catfish because they feel like you <laughs> lied to them with this submission. Oh exactly. god! So so you moved to the city and yeah. Uh, uh, then you taught preschool. Was this in in Massachusetts or in city? Boston? Yeah, in, in Boston. Massachusetts, in in uh, in Arlington, which is another suburb. So I lived in the city and around the city and uh, and taught preschool in the suburbs. So I'd commute every day. And was that a was that a job? Did you enjoy that? is great it was um it was a job that did, never lasted past 6 p.m which is great like i, I was never like ah oh, shit I'm, I'm slammed at work today they, they, they made me take six of the kids home <laughs> like, like i got these tests oh no that's not a triangle yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. oh god damn it yeah grading all weekend yeah <laughs> um, so it was even like it was a very relaxed um you know, it, it was a job that was high focus because you'd be like, oh, you can't you can't just eat a, a spoonful of sand like that's I had to be on alert for that. But it was also like the the kids were like a, some of them were a little like sassy, but for the most part, they're really sweet. And my co-teachers were great. And like I had a really supportive school where they my bosses mostly were like sure yeah go do your thing and like i if i had to this is the trick i learned because sometimes i would be out late doing shows 
and I would have to come in at whatever 8.30 to teach. And and you, you don't, you know, when you show up at a preschool, it's not like you, it's not like having an office job where you like sit at a desk and kind of like check your email for 20 minutes and like ease into things. You're like, oh, here I am and there are children. So I would wear a shirt and tie on the days where I was out really late. And instead of people being like, oh, you look fucking awful. They'd be like, ooh, someone dressed up today. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. It worked it was shocking how much it worked. I would just come in. I would be like, oh, yeah, I was I like was doing shows and then I hung out and got home at like midnight and go, went to sleep, you know, hung out with my roommate for another hour and went to sleep at one and got up at seven. And so I'd come in like shirt and tie and they'd be like, wow, someone's prepared for work today. And I would just be like bleeding from the corners of my eyes. Like, yeah, I feel really prepared. <laughs> Looking like I just lost a fight. Did did. Uh- any any things ha- any bad things happen with the kids? Anyone eat something they shouldn't have? Were you? I, I would always feel scared. I'd just be scared. It's just a lot of responsibility. It, it is a lot of responsibility. I think there were, gosh, there were definitely some like little injuries, and that's. I think you kind of have to get used to that. Like it's like and a lot of tantrums. Like the four is still of the age where there are still kids. You know, I was working with three and a half to five year olds, and there are still kids at that age that like. Every day, if they don't take a nap in the middle of the day, they'll just kind of, like, come undone at 3 p.m. Yeah. And you'll be like, hey, time to, let's let's put away the crayons so we can go outside. And then they'll just, like, hurl themselves on the floor, uh, like, a just, like, bawling like a war widow. And um, and so that, that stuff was, it was tough. But I was pretty good at it like in terms of just like staying calm uh, the teachers that i think the teachers that i worked with would give me credit for that too like there would be just like a little four-year-old just losing their mind just screaming and crying and i'd be like i know it's really hard it's really hard when you're not done drawing your elephant yet and we have to go outside but you know that paper is going to be there forever that's a beautiful thing about crayons that they'll be here when we come back in and like just like screaming but i wanna and my coaches would be like how are you just sitting there? And my line that I would always say is like when you're a when you're a and this I don't mean this pejoratively, but like when you are a man who dates women, you get used to other people crying. Sure. And like I because I'm not and this is not a, this is not a brag. I'm like a pretty emotionally cloistered person when it comes to like expressing frustration and displeasure and sadness. But I am used to it from people that I am close to. And so like I'm just used to like, oh yeah, sometimes another person cries and that's okay. And you just have to like hear them and validate their feelings and like offer support where you can. But I I really do like, I know it's like very like kind of, it's like deeply, uh, possibly problematically heterosexual to say, but Uh. definitely when you are a person who is around people who are crying when you don't want them to be crying <laughs> when you're like i'd rather you weren't crying sure. right now you you get used to it and you get you get those skills i think tova i've had like two two big cries in front of tova and i wrote mm-hmm. i told her i was like all right the score is now two to 973 <laughs> yeah, yeah. um i wish i cried more there's Me times too. there's times I, I i almost try to lean yep. on it yeah and when i was an actor there was a time like i wanted to cry for those reasons but even now just as a human being there's times i'm like i feel things i want to have a cathartic release out my face yes. and instead it's, it's just like <sighs> i'm i'm also embarrassed by what makes me cry not because it's like like i wish that i cried across the board more but i don't like when it's like when it's like 
hey, this person that you're, uh, you know, a, a, an old friend passed away. I'll be like, shit, that's that's really sad. I feel really bad about this. I feel turmoil inside, but not crying. And then they're like, you know, um, Ted Lasso really taught his team what it means to work together for a common goal and that yeah. that maybe is more important than the goal itself. And I'm just like biting my lip as no, I, stream down I my agree. Cheeks. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with me that this is what's doing it? It doesn't always track. It doesn't always track of like, yeah. you, you'll hear things and it'd be like, this should be the thing. This should be the and thing. And then I'm crying. At, I cried yesterday at Below Deck Mediterranean. <laughs> Whoa. What Bravo. was happening on Below Deck Mediterranean? Okay, well, I'm, I'm behind. So it was when... Hannah, I don't know if anyone knows any of these people. Hannah was on the show for like five seasons as our like person. She's our audience surrogate. Like we're like following her thing. Mm -hmm. She got fired and it was shitty. And it was like, it was like for, she has anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so she was getting fired for having Valium, for having anxiety issues. And I was, it was so upsetting. I was, and I was like, and she was our surrogate. I'm like, I'm going to keep watching the show without this person who was like, leading us see this shepherding world. us through the show so uh but you know i shouldn't be crying at below deck mediterranean i shouldn't but i did you know uh you I can't mean, crack it you can't I track wish, it. it's not that i wish that i didn't cry at the others at the stuff that like does set it off like i'll just be like it's, tom brady is still thriving at such a high level and even though he's playing in tampa bay i honestly it's just a marvel how his skills have been eroded and he, he's learned how to work in this new context and like and then it'll be like um hey uh you like you should go to the doctor you haven't been feeling well and i'll be like okay yeah sure and then i'll just be like just like lie awake in bed feeling uh horrible and not releasing it into the world at all what what makes you yell Chad? when was the last time you yelled it's not a lot of are your parents calm? Like, are your parents also very calm and even keeled? My, my parents are. Yeah, my my mom especially is like my my parents are both very like sweet and lovely people. My dad is a person who is like very, um, like I was saying, kind of quiet when things are bad. Like, yeah. like if he's not feeling well, he's not going to be like, everybody, shut up! I need to lie down. He'll just kind of be like. He'll be like, oh, um, I'm going to go get this thing upstairs. And then you'll notice like three hours have passed and you've just been like lying face down with a, with a migraine or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just not, doesn't raise attention to, to himself in that way. And my mom is like incredibly diplomatic in a way where my, my dad, um, will speak his mind a little bit more like in a public situation. If somebody's doing something fucked up, he'll be like, Hey, uh, could you excuse me? You know, he's not going to be like, get into a fight about it, but he'll like. <clears throat> like give it a little something and my mom is like incredibly diplomatic which i've i think inherited from her just like a tendency to be like oh you sure like um i'll just i'll just like work around it yeah like that's yeah it's it's just it just still blows me away the just the emotional tendencies i've taken from my parents that i, yeah. I don't like and mm-hmm. are just deeply i went today my god i was trying to get the ambient so i got this prescription of ambient yeah. They prescribed it to the Dwayne Reed. I go to the Dwayne Reed. They go, uh, the Dwayne Reed, this Dwayne Reed doesn't accept your insurance. You have to transfer it to the CVS. And it was mm-hmm. just, I acted like I had just found out the healthcare system isn't great. And I was like, I was just like, oh God. I was so just filled with anger yep. and rage. Yep. And uh, I, I wish I had, had your, your calm, 
I I sometimes like when I think I'm like exploding with rage, I'm just being like kind of like sarcastically passive aggressive. And so it like on one hand, I'm not like lashing out at people, but on the other hand, sometimes I do think that I could be better at just like clearly saying things that I feel or like you know, uh uh being I could be more both like healthy in my communication and more like effective in my communication by just being like I would like this please you know what I mean yeah. of like oh oh I have to transfer this well why don't you call them and do that please because I was not told that this you know what I mean just like you not like a monster but just like sure I hear what you're saying and I've never been to that CVS so can you call them and get this transferred because like this is not I, I imagine you've had come across this before like can you give me the phone number uh, you know like that kind of thing like yeah it's and like just being like okay let's let's figure this out whereas normally I my thing I'll just be like oh that's real fucking convenient and then just walk away and handle it by myself you know what I mean Ooh, I like, like that I like just that. like under my breath just like Oh, sure, yeah. Um, very cool of my fucking doctor not to say anything about this. <laughs> and like I and like and then I'll be like, I'm very sorry, I understand this isn't your fault. You didn't do this, you're not you don't work at the insurance company, you're not the one who called this in. I hear you. Thank you for what you've done. But you know, I try not to like take it out on people, but I definitely am like, oh, I could be more direct just in terms of like not just taking it on myself and fe- and like seething. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, now I want to touch on before we get to this has got to stop your your pep talks, which, which yeah. you know, you I, I see them on Twitter. I think once I was <laughs> I don't mean this offense. I was so low. I thought maybe I'll call. <laughs> but <laughs> like time I was in I was in like I was in a dark like for me to do that. Yeah. I would have to be very well. That's why I started them because I was feeling so bad. And this kind of go, comes back to what we were talking about earlier where I don't always ask for things well i'm getting better but like i was this was like 2013 i was in like a pretty bad career place like i just felt like all the things 2017 no 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 2013 2013 okay yeah and and i had i just all the things that i thought i was lining up professionally were um kind of were falling away one by one and then i don't know what that's uh, like (laughs) it was a bummer it was just like i had these little things that i was like oh this is gonna get me to the next place and it felt like those levels in the old mario brothers games where you're like walking across a bridge and then the blocks start falling up from underneath you Uh and i was just like oh it's 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 gone the things that i thought i was working towards and i was in a relationship with a person who is great but i think like we we broke up a few months later and i think we probably there was like a little tension there that i was like trying to figure out how to resolve and and probably not doing a great job at like communicating and 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 resolving like whatever whatever was whatever cracks were in that relationship and so I was just in this bad place and I so I was on Twitter and I was like I really want to hear something encouraging from someone but I was like I, I felt just so weird to text somebody or like call somebody and be like uh Hey, just no reason, but like, tell me it's gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, maybe if I offer to do this for someone else, then there's a context for like having this kind of conversation. And it was, you know, I it was eight years ago. I had a few thousand followers, probably, and then people were like, uh, maybe a dozen people were like, yeah, I want to hear something nice, and I'd be like, 
hey, you got great sunglasses in your profile picture. Or, like, it seems like you're working on really cool stuff. I hope it, it feels satisfying to you. Just, like, little things. And I've been doing it, like, every once in a while for, like, the last, I guess, eight years now. But that's how it came about. It was because I was feeling bad, and I didn't have the skills to to think about how what I needed. Because, and I this is something I'm... I'm I tweeted this like three months ago, but this is something I really feel is like, I know it's healthy to tell people what you're feeling. And I know, and and I'm pretty good at like pinpointing and articulating that now I'm like much better. But when I do, it's just like, well, now I still feel that way. And other people know my terrible secrets. (laughs) This seems like a raw deal to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's maybe I maybe I will call. Do people call ever in 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 tears? No, I mean it's usually just people writing back on Twitter. Oh, they write I'll back. Get a, yeah, sometimes oh, I'll get I a DM. It. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I get a DM. So it's all over text. But like, if it's sometimes a friend will like write privately about it. But like, usually it's just people writing on Twitter, and I'll I'll write back publicly. Um, but yeah, it's so that's yeah. But I think people have. I mean, like, I'm not an advice giver i'm not a i'm I'm not a qualified advice giver but people will say things like some really serious stuff like oh we i lost a loved one recently and i'm feeling Mm. really low and and, um or like you're like your sunglasses look great though killer sunglasses (laughs) and then i solved it but like you know there are things that that i've found that you can say to a person that are like helpful and comforting even from a stranger even just to go like even just to remind someone like this sounds like you're having a really hard time and I can't imagine the pain you're in. But like, I bet there are people in your life who really want to be there for you and love you and care about you. And, and if you reach out to them, I bet that process won't be as scary as you think it is like right now. And, and I think that like holds in a lot of situations, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. So even, even though it's not like real, I'm not like solving anyone's problems. I can just be like, or even like, Oh, this big job interview. I'm really terrified. I really want this job. I haven't worked in four months. It's just like, Hey, you got the interview cause you're you. So just go in there and be the you that you are. That's who they want to meet. You didn't trick them. I mean, unless they trick them. But in that case, like, that's their problem. That's not my fault. <laughs> I I do love imagining the John Marco equivalent of doing this, though. And John Marco being like, you think that's bad? I haven't been past the comedy cellar yet. <laughs> um, John Hodgman. <laughs> saying his thing is worse. John Hodgman occasionally will be like, wow, once Josh is done, if anyone wants to be put in their place for five minutes, <laughs> uh tweeted me that. and I he, he's that. yeah he's very funny about it um all right well let's let's go to on our our next segment this has got to stop this has got to stop this has got to stop where we talk about something something in the world that needs to stop russell do you have one today uh, uh yeah you, real quick um go this got to stop um me getting covid repeatedly <laughs> twice now oh, no. and vaccinated i just i you know <laughs> Uh, it's also my blessing. I'm going to put them together because uh, I got a breakthrough case of COVID last week on Thursday, had some symptoms Thursday, Friday, um, by Saturday night. Felt great. Feel great now. It was so mild uh, compared, you know, uh, I, I was lucky pretty much both times I've gotten COVID, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely much more mild after the vaccine. But I just don't want to keep getting it. I, I You know, it's one of those things <laughs> where... I know it's uh, um, I just in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I had it. I'm vaccinated, you know, but not like I was going crazy places. I went to rehearsal. I went to a coffee shop. I, 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 
just don't want to keep getting it. So I think I'm good. I've done the two major strains. Uh, and I hope I don't, I don't want to do it again. I don't want to do it again for a while, uh, for the rest of the year, at least. So this has got to stop me getting COVID. Um, but also blessing vaccine. Thank you very much. Way nicer experience doing it with the vaccine. So, uh, I feel lucky about that and I uh, feel very fortunate. I'm um, sorry. Our show was canceled this past Shit. weekend. And uh, it was like the busiest weekend for everyone in Uncle Jeez. Function to have shows and weddings and things. And I'm so sorry that it happened and, you know, whatever. Yeah, there but. really is a, you know, cause I, I got tested before I went to this funeral cause I had seen Russell and like every, <laughs> everyone that you've come into contact with, it's, it's this, uh, uh, no one's mad at you, but the circumstance sucks so much that it's always like a, Oh, oh, God. yeah, yeah, yeah. After after ah. Russell, then I I went to Tova, and Tova had yep. uh, the taping of uh, Joyelle's special on Sunday, right? At, at the Bell House, and Tova goes, oh, fuck, <laughs> okay. yeah. I I had that recently, similarly, where I got a I had been at an outdoor thing with somebody, and I got an email that was like, you should probably get a test, like someone that was at this thing tested positive, and I was like, ah. Like, again, it's people, you know, a lot of times people are asymptomatic or the symptoms show up later. And it's like everybody, you, I think people are trying to do their best. And I came up negative, but it is like one of those, like exactly like you were saying, of just like, well, I'm mad at the person who tested positive. Like that, that doesn't make sense. So many people are testing positive, but I was just like, oh, this is really going to fuck up my week if it fucks up my week. What's crazy, and and, I, and not to pat myself on the back, no. but I do, but I, but it, what is crazy is that, like, uh, I think the breakthrough thing is much more rampant because I, I think of, like, I had an at-home test at my house. Mm-hmm. And Thursday, because I had COVID before, I was like, oh, this is kind of like that. And I took it. But, like, by Friday or Friday afternoon, like, I, I was pretty, like, good, but, but definitely had COVID still. I, I tested yeah. again on Saturday and still had it. So the thing is, I just feel like I had that at home test and I was like, yeah, I should do it. And I was so, when I saw that it was positive, I was so like, fuck. This like, shit again? Fuck. Man, you uh, called me. It was like 11, was, 11 30 was, at night. Oh, that phone I was call. Googling death rates in people who had COVID oh. and had vaccinated and I was like it was like point zero 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 it was very small but I was yeah. like that's gonna be me. It's gonna be right. me. But at least uh, it was um, a very precise decimal as we discussed earlier. Yes. yes. So I uh well I hope your pro vaccine message gets as much traction as Nicki Minaj's negative <laughs> one. Yeah what happened to your balls? Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see. They oh, were pretty big yeah. to begin with. Um yeah. so my, my, this got to stop. This pretty, I, I don't, I don't uh, use Facebook very often, but these are very popular on Facebook. It's staged prank videos. Yes. Um, I, I have a mixed feelings because pranks do make me laugh, but I've also uh, read, I did What Would You Do on ABC, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, for those listening, it's a hidden camera show. And uh, it's, it's a really, it feels awful to do. I made I've made two people cry like in my scenario. One was uh, it never aired, where we were catfishing people essentially. They they have been doing this show for so long they've really run out of premises, mm-hmm. and some of them are inspiring. Like there was one viral one where uh, uh, I think it was a black guy brought his white girlfriend to a barber shop, 
and they had actors like kind of harass her or or make fun of the guy and then regular people were like no a white person can be here which looking back on all of it now that i'm saying it out loud i'm like is this really the biggest problem is white people (laughs) being harassed in black barbershops okay but uh we did one where we oh my god we catfished people where like we do it was like a different picture in our tinder thing and this whole shoot i don't know if you ever had a shoot like this josh where it was it was the shoot times were based on tinder messages where oh. you had set up a date and as you know sure. anyone who's dated people were canceling people were coming late and mm-hmm. we were hiding going back and like the the first woman i i, I you have an earwig in my ear they and they're very like do what we tell you to do right so oh. i i i sit down and they're like ask uh, ask when you're going to have a second date the moment we sit down. So I sit down I'm like, so uh, when do you want our second date to be? And then they're like, propose, propose to her. And I'm like, oh, God. and uh, they didn't end up airing it. She cried Ooh. when he, he came out. It was, it was very awful. But so I know pranks are bad. Pranks <laughs> sometimes do make me laugh. But sure. these staged pranks staged ones, are no. the worst things I've ever it's, seen. And it's, it's the worst Homemade. in both worlds. Yeah. Right. In terms of like, it is the discomfort of watching someone like get tricked, but then it's just like, but but what what? So like, you pretended to be like you you know what I mean? It like I guess nobody's actually hurt, but it does feel like you're watching someone have an awful time. Yes, and and this is like where the internet is the death of art, where they they really stretch out the um like setup process because they need yeah. the Facebook video to be a certain length. So right. sometimes sometimes I think I fall for it. I think, oh maybe this prank is real. This seems funny. And then you see them like sneak behind the person, look at the camera like mm-hmm. and like you're like, oh there's no yeah. way that person doesn't go, what the fuck are you doing? Are you doing behind me, right? They do it yeah. for five minutes and I something about it, I hate it. They're not they're the worst actors you've ever seen in your life. And just to top it all off, it has 59 million views. Right. And you're like, whoa, man, maybe this is what I have to do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Josh, I, I hope you felt anything in the world that you would like to stop? Yes. Um, my this has to stop is um, people saying, like, you know, your, your joke about XYZ isn't helping. That's because, and not, I want to create, like, a real distinction here, because I do think there's a difference between, like, this joke is hurting someone's feelings, or this joke is, like, perpetuating a really vicious and harmful stereotype. Sure, that is, like, really valid criticism. Yes. Like, your joke isn't helping is, like, I'm not trying to help. (laughs) I'm joking. Those are two different things. But, like, on online especially right all the communication just gets it's in the same timeline it gets barfed out into the same stream and so like people are coming to the same place for like um medical advice and activism and jokes and porn and it's like it it, it would almost it's like truly as misguided like as if i make a if i make a joke and someone's like uh your joke isn't making me horny right now you know like, that's because it's not the porn this is yeah. one of the other things we're doing this here. is not making me hard right I, yeah like, yeah it's just a joke I think, and so like okay. i think it's more telling though of like of like some people are like this my act my comedy is activism like in mm-hmm. this false thing of like 
like it, it, sometimes it does get conflated but it's very revealing to be and, like well that's not what this is for and i like, think comedy can be yeah for very sure righteous in its way like i saw we well, wrote for I, john been, oliver i mean i think like john, I john oliver and like the and, daily show and all that stuff i think it mixed things in people's brains a little in terms of like oh should all comedy be progressive pointed or- political i mean like i saw and it's it's i i definitely think like i don't want to be doing comedy that is like hurting people or like propping up attitudes that are unhealthy and harmful you know like i really think about like not trying not to say stuff that like bumps people out but i and there and there's lots of great comedy that is like explicitly expressive of like ideas and thoughts that are like really helpful for people to hear like i saw uh roy wood jr run his new hour last night and it was like I mean, he's as good as anybody. Astounding, and like his, astounding and his, it, it, it's astounding. And, it, and it's like the, I think more than anyone maybe currently working, he balances like real sincere, heavy ideas with like truly hilarious jokes. And I'm like, this is like, it's like as good as it gets. But sometimes I'm just like, you people are joking around, and you hear it mostly like to be more specific, it's in the context of like, um, of like, oh, your jokes about people eating horse medicine uh, aren't actually helping people get vaccinated. And it's like, it's not, I'm not a public health official. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not the CDC. Also, your tweet about people who aren't vaccinated are fucking idiots is not helping anybody (laughs) either. We're all just expressing. it's, It's Right. Sometimes it's just expressing a thought or making a joke and i think as long as it's not like especially if it's not a joke that is like hurtful to people again like i I don't want to sound like oh you can't joke about anything because people criticize you i don't mean that i just mean like there are communication happens for different reasons and like jokes can hit different notes and that's okay and not everything has to be like in the service of the public good like some jokes can be funny and unharmful (laughs) yeah with yeah without being like instructive i just think i i think especially with the online especially twitter where a lot of this stuff happens i I always think of twitter it's like a newspaper without sections so sometimes Mm -hmm. you're like you're like what is what is this garfield comic doing in the middle of the 9-11 memorial piece right right it's just Uh. this constant stream and some people just some people don't want comedy like my father i have a lot of dark jokes and uh, I love them. But, like, my dad is someone, he doesn't like it. I don't know the way his brain works. He sees it more vividly. Or if I make a, yeah. a pedophile joke, like, all he can, his brain immediately goes to, like, people whose lives have been upended by yeah, abuse. Sure. And I'm like, my brain doesn't doesn't take me to that place yet. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it's, it's so not what you're supposed to say. But mm-hmm. we're all different. Yes, totally. And And I think, like... I, and I try not to begrudge when if if I say something and someone is like, oh, you know, that really like brings up something in me that is like painful. I try to really take that to heart and think about like, are lots of people having this or did is it something that I could have avoided by being more intentional with what I was saying? But when people are just like, hey, you know, that's not helping. It's like, yeah, I'm not trying. That's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I yeah, I'm not helping when I'm eating a slice of pizza and I'm not helping <laughs> when I'm like tickling my dog's belly. Like it's, yeah. it's not all like I want to be of service to people. I want to be helpful. I want to be productive. I, w- I want to like 
use the my resources and platform for uh for for good but that can't as a comedian and as a person on social media i that's not the only thing i'm there for and i think it's okay that it's not the only thing i'm doing i i completely agree well uh josh stop telling josh to help guys um let's your blessing you better count your blessing um you can hear that right josh yes i get so i was so paranoid that you just see me just pause you were singing a song i'd never heard before (laughs) (laughs) like sure yeah i guess i'll learn it and i'll sing it on the second chorus (laughs) (laughs) um so uh, uh, this is the time we say something we're we're grateful for. I'll go first on this one. Um, this is a this is a cute little one. I got a, a smoothie yesterday at a Essen Essex Essen Essen, and uh, I love. I've I've tickled every time I get a smoothie, and there's extra, and they give you that cup, that paper cup mm-hmm. with yeah. the extra in it because especially since smoothies are not cheap, you're like this is. Three dollars, according to you, this mm-hmm. is three dollars worth of a smoothie extra mm-hmm. you're giving me, and yeah. uh, I, I feel like that cup is honestly the best part of the whole smoothie experience because you get Love the experience it. of finishing it. Uh, I, you know that you get to finish it, but you know there's a there's a whole smoothie left, yep. so you get that like final gulp and knowing oh there's still more. Yeah, I, sometimes right. you get it with with all. I feel like you get it with beverage more than food, right? They're never like, and here's another four inches of submarine <laughs> sandwich. But it is like I've had it with a milkshake, or like sometimes with a cocktail. You'll be at a restaurant yeah. and they'll bring it over, and there's like a little extra. Ooh. Yeah, put in the martini. Yeah, the martini. Yeah, yep, exactly. And yeah. I I always love that experience of like, ooh, a little bonus treat. Yeah, yeah. and maybe it's on purpose. If I ran a place, I'd do that on purpose. I'd make the regular smoothie smaller to give you the illusion we're being generous (laughs) we just made it smaller um uh russell you got a blessing i i did mine uh, oh you did yours yeah your vaccine's working congratulations (laughs) are you gonna get a booster you what i can yeah but you should fucking i i feel like you deserve it i feel like if you got the breakthrough you you get first in line for that booster in my mind from reading a little bit i feel like it's a little bit of a booster that i just had covid again but i when i when i can yeah i'll do the the booster they're going to study. But I got Moderna, which I think is better too. That in terms of yeah, the, the, Moderna's supposed to be really good against the Delta variant. So I don't know what you did to fuck that up, Russell. Left <laughs> in there. Um, and uh, uh, Josh, you got a, a blessing? I do. Mine is also food related. Great. Lately, I've been really grateful for new flavors of things that I haven't tried before. So I went out for sushi and sat on a patio, ate some sushi with my friend and. Uh, she was like, let's get the chicken wings as an appetizer. And it came with like a wasabi hot honey um, that that was really good. And then recently, um, <laughs> there is a salsa, uh, a salsita company called Tio Pelon. And Alex Hooper, the comedian who, know, who was Hooper. in L.A., yeah, tweeted at me that he, he saw this bottle of salt a jar a jar of salsita and he was like josh i think they stole your image for this because the guy it's called tio pelon which is uncle baldy that's the name of the salsa and it the the mascot is is like a line drawing of the founder of the company and he looks exactly like me (laughs) and so i tweeted about it i was like i think i think i'm a salsa mogul and they sent me a bunch of salsa and they have this it's called like salsa cremosa it's like creamier 
and uh and spicy and i've been eating that on like everything i'll put on eggs i'll put on like a turkey burger it's been great so just like new flavors have been for the past year and a half during the pandemic i would just go to the bodega and be like what ice cream you got like is give me something i don't care if there's like cornflakes and mushrooms whatever it is if i haven't had it i'll try it so like new flavors of things that's what i'm grateful for (laughs) yeah I like that a lot. I got. I've got to start looking for something that looks like me. Gregory's, Gregory's coffee, John, John Marco. Gregory's that's coffee. Me. When I have my glasses on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you gotta be like. That's am I most Gregory? If if every white guy who wore glasses could claim Gregory's was him, got Their free coffee, and they go bankrupt. They go behind you, John Marco. That is Gregory's coffee. That, this thing. is from it a, is a very play Gregory's I did. Coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna try to get some Gregory's coffee. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well. Well, Josh, uh, thank you so much, dude. Do you have anything you want to plug? Oh gosh, I have a, a podcast called Make My Day. It's a comedy game show where there's one guest, so the guest always wins. Couple and... our two podcasts together. Listen to mine first. Get down. Yeah. Listen to depending on where you want to end. Start happy, <laughs> right. go low, go through a whole roller coaster every time it's you listen. A lot of different feelings. Um. And then Jesus uh, and Marrow comes back on showtime in october we've been off for a few weeks and and we'll be back in a few weeks and you are the i'm a writer and co-executive producer fantastic yeah it's uh, great. They're, they're the best for uncle function fans we i think we are going to reschedule the show sometime oh. we text it we did everything ready I think, to go i think we'll cut uh, we'll cut the 9-11 sketch that we had <laughs> that i was really proud of we'll save it for next year uh and uh for me Mm, I'm not sure when this is coming out exactly yet, but it's, I'm going to be at the Looney Bin in Oklahoma City. I'm going to be at a Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. And then uh, I'm sure after this, I'm going to be headlining a lot of Boston shows just on Josh Gondelman's name alone. Hell yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And, you know, uh, let's hope my dad is fucking alive when this podcast comes out. This is The Downside. One, two, three. Downside.